0: Hello and welcome to Bad Songwriter Podcast I'm your host, Anna Holmquist We're here today with Emily Jane Powers Hey! Hi! How's it going?
1: Good uh, We were
0: just talking about how sweaty we both are mm-hmm. It's a hot weekend here in Chicago, finally, after rain and floods and <laughs> <laughs> The love will like come that. next week <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, yes, <laughs> can't wait for that <laughs> Um, just waiting for all of the different biblical plagues to (laughs) hit us, uh, along with the pandemic. We also definitely need bugs. What killer wasps was the one thing. I don't know. Uh, Who knows? Yes. Yes. (laughs) But we're here to talk about bad songs, not the end of the world. So, (laughs) so we'll do that. When did you first start writing music?
1: I started playing uh, my first instrument's a violin. I started playing the violin in fourth grade. We had to like choose an instrument, um, and that's the instrument I chose. And then I started playing guitar in like eighth grade, and I think I started like formally writing songs. I'd say eighth grade, ninth grade, and by songs, it's very loose. It's a loose idea yeah. of what a song is or could be. <laughs> what What were they like? I mean, a lot of them were just me mimicking other songs, like in the very beginning. So catching on to something that I liked that someone was doing and just trying to do that in my own way. Um, I think that that's like right. very developmentally appropriate at that time period. I think I just mostly liked sounds in general. Um, so then I would just experiment with different ways that things could be put together in mostly traditional ways, um, like forming mm-hmm. a band and stuff like that. Yeah, I'd say that a lot of my early music was very much, here's this thing that I love and I want to do that. What kind
0: of stuff were you mimicking? Like, which artists or things?
1: I don't know exactly. I mean, I did a lot of, like, singing in the mirror to, like, songs. Uh-huh. That's kind of, like, that's, like, the first part of doing any type of, like, mimicking music. Um, and then I, because I played violin first, pretty much anything that had violin in it, I was attracted to. The first band that I really, really loved was Google Dolls. And I just didn't know quite how to do it, but I tried. So Uh I don't know, like strumming the guitar really loud and doing the, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, a lot of voices that really weren't my own. I mean, I definitely played with more masculine and feminine voices at different times in my life. I definitely developed more of like a a twee voice in my teen and uh, early 20s. It was pretty predominant. Yeah, I think I, f- I think I found my voice eventually, but I think it was a lot of, yeah, mimicking.
0: For sure, but th- yeah. But nothing
1: I, th- I did sounded like the Goo Goo Dolls. I just say that as like a reference point, just because they were the first like rock band that I loved that was like my own and not my parents. And they had such a large back catalog that I felt like I had like discovered something really special. It was like my thing.
0: <laughs> that's great. That's That's <laughs> super sweet. Yeah, for me, it was a lot, I think... A lot of evanescence because i started mm. on piano yeah and so you know a lot of those are more piano driven and then just like the powerful
1: female vocals yeah you know, i was like this is my shit totally yeah like sean colvin for me was another like like strong like that was one of the first like female voices that i had heard and really loved and and tried to mimic but yeah when you find something that feel like the way you said like powerful like that's that's mm-hmm. what made me think of sean colvin because i felt that whenever i listened to some of her music
0: Okay so we have some tracks here to listen to. Oh no yeah we do. (laughs)
1: Um, So I tried to choose some of like the earliest earliest recorded music that I have and actually when when we were talking about doing this I not only because we're in a pandemic and I have a lot more time than usual but because i had been wanting to sort of catalog all of my stuff and one of the things we're going to listen to was recorded on a cassette tape but it was recorded through a process of like recording something and then putting it in the stereo and then recording it again on my isolated handheld cassette tape so that was like my first multi-tracking experience um and so we would then like create loops um that's one of the awful things we're gonna listen to um (laughs) great (laughs) this song i don't know yeah should we just listen to it yeah is this the 2002 one yes so this is 2002 the song is called formally called tro to the out out um it's the last song on an album that i put out with my first and really only band detergent um, that was Mm -hmm. in high school so this is part of like a longer series of recordings that my friend amelia and i did we called it acoustic techno which was Uh this process of like doing multi-tracking, but not having anything other than your stereo system and a handheld. It's horrendous. Um, Great. And we're going to listen to it.
0: <laughs> Great.
1: Uh, okay. I think there's... Oh, this is wild. Yes, yeah, so I think there's about six tracks. Amelia is speaking Spanish. I'm screaming in one of our layers. Doing drums, obviously. This is the second loop. Like violin and harmonica. I don't know what this is supposed to be. <laughs> like when we were talking about like mimicking things, I don't know what I don't know where this is coming from, but I think it, we were just fascinated right. with the sounds. So that's a horrible thing.
0: And it's so exciting, I think, when you figure yeah. out like a way to multi-track something or loop something you just want to like
1: do the weirdest shit yes so that is an example of our acoustic techno oh and then while we're recording it we've left a record on in the other room and went to go find it so that's us running after it with the live recorder that we're still doing Uh,
0: Well, that's something
1: else. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's my first song. Um, (laughs) And again, I have, I mean, I probably have like an hour of stuff like that that we did that was just, and it didn't make any sense. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it made sense to us because it was exciting. We were making sounds, but it was like a very loose structure of, of music. Oh my god, that's wonderful! I can't believe we just listened to that. Sorry,
0: we did. It's it's over. It's over. We it is it.
1: over. I mean, yeah, it was like a minute. Yeah. So Amelia, I keep referencing my friend Amelia. She was in the band that um, my first band. We still are very close. We we were like we made a lot of music together. Um, the drummer in the band we made, like, actual songs, which we can listen to, um, that make a little bit more coherent sense with what's traditionally thought of as music. All right, what's what's the next one you want to listen yeah, to, Yeah, so the next one, I think, is a little bit more... <laughs> 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 this is a little bit more of, like, the actual songs that we wrote, again, that are a little bit more traditional sounding. So we're going to listen to Sean Connery. Um, I shortened it just a little bit for our listening experience, because um, mm. you'll get the idea. But the band that I had we were influenced i think a lot by the white stripes the white stripes was really big i grew up in michigan it sounds nothing like the white stripes though i have to say i don't know why i thought that was relevant but um this is kind of like our surf song it's called sean connery It's pretty repetitive. You yeah. get the idea. Um, but we were like a rock band. We like wanted to play loud rock music. Actually, totally. we wanted to play roll music. We wanted to like take the rock, the roll, and the rock and roll and exaggerate that part of it. Uh-huh. Again, I'm saying things that make sense yeah, to me but don't make sense ring. out of context. Oh, <laughs> <ring>. Right. <laughs> I love that idea. It was a little high concept for a bunch of 16-year-olds
0: I mean that's what you got to be really serious about it right? when you're 16 you have to have some grand concept oh yeah we are very I feel like I feel like I had that kind of stuff too and now I'm just like I want to write a pop song that's catchy you know yeah yep. <laughs> so
1: two guitars bass electric bass and drums so the song, like the, the three, I guess there's no chorus. The three verses are uh, yellow, pink, and green. And it's just things that all rhyme with those colors.
0: Did you play shows with that band?
1: I did. Um, so I was really fortunate growing up to have like a youth center that had a really, really robust programming for musicians. Um, so they actually started like a record label, when i was oh, wow. starting high school which was super super exciting so i met like a group of kids kind of right off the bat in high school that all were interested in playing music recording music interested in how you like songwrite. so that was like a continual program that they did they had a lot of like summer programming but then they had concerts where like larger national touring acts would play so like kids would have the opportunity to open for, like, Of Montreal and Moldy Peaches and All Girl Summer Fun mm-hmm. Band, like a lot of bands that were uh, popular at the time. So that that was that was really really exciting. So the record label that they started also had a studio. So we would play shows at the youth center. That's great. Yeah, it was really it was really fun. It was like a really fun time to 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 be a kid there. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, there were a ton of high school bands during that time period at my high school and other high schools in the area. And so it was a really, really supportive environment to, to grow up. Yeah, there was a lot of ska at the time. We didn't quite fit in with some of the other bands. <laughs> yeah, um, that makes sense.
0: There was, that was the thing. That was, that was the whole That time. was a
1: really cool thing. And there were a couple other rock bands, too. I, I mean, there weren't any other roll bands, but you know. Um. <laughs> well, that's what, that's what made you unique. <laughs> Yeah, so we would play we would play shows, and actually, the next song is called Death Metal Dog Sack. I, this sounds like we were a joke band. We did have some serious songs, <laughs> but I guess I'm showing you the most extreme cases of them. But our live show right. was pretty special. We would play Sean Connery and Death Metal Dog Sack like back to back, and they would be the last two songs we would play in the set, and Death Metal Dog Sack would uh, end with us all beating each other up on stage we would have like hockey gloves it was very like performance art death metal dog sack was inspired by a i think it was some sort of nature i don't remember what it was but some sort of nature program where there was this dog that had like this big sack on its head and its owner like didn't take care of it and it was about like animal rescue there's a lot of anger in the song i just wanted to make sure that that was really clear that this is this is very much about the um death metal dog sack exclamation point
0: (laughs) that's that's important that's an important that is important
1: so just when we're listening to it imagine it coming right after sean connery and then uh us all beating each other up with hockey gloves at the end (laughs) it's like a megaphone right you have to have that oh always Oh my god, Oh my god! And then we would this is where the gloves come on the helmets uh-huh. come on. I mean we didn't really know about the Who at that point, but just imagine us trashing the place.
0: Seems like a lot of fun.
1: Um, I have to say. Oh, and I don't know where this accordion is coming from. Oh, so (laughs) there's like. I do know where that's coming from, actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. Um. So the person that recorded this album, the the detergent album, recorded it. They there was a like a college radio station. They recorded it on. um, Excuse me. They worked or volunteered at the radio station and they had access to a bunch of old, I don't know, reel to real tapes. And so we were recording mm-hmm. over old like jazz programs or something like that. So we would like use parts of that in the recording. That's where the recording comes from. That's
0: super cool. Yeah. It's so interesting to me to hear. First of all, I did not expect this um, as, as your older material. <laughs> so, so congrats there, oh, really unexpected. <laughs> um, second of all, uh, it's really interesting for me to hear about people who had experiences like doing full band stuff in high school. I grew up in like a really small town, mm-hmm. like one stoplight, sort of middle of nowhere. And we just didn't like have band. like nobody had a band. Like nobody did that. Like I played guitar and like a couple of times would like, you know, cover the fray with my two friends at a coffee shop, mm-hmm. you know, like harmonize mm-hmm. and like whatever. But it really just wasn't I just don't think there were enough people really to do like the band thing not enough people that were interested in doing that so it's super cool to hear about like places that really supported that and like made that possible yeah I mean
1: I have to say I think that without that youth I mean I know that there there was a huge music community before and after that but I think that that the youth center and the programming that was happening it was just it just happened at such a special time You know, like if that didn't exist and there wasn't an infrastructure for kids to be able to share, then they'd be creating it. But then there wouldn't be, you know, like the energy that you get when you share music is so special. And when you get to do that at an early age, it's like I, I won't ever take that for granted. Like, I still have a really hard time performing. Like, I get very nervous. And actually, when I even started performing as a as a kid, I couldn't face the stage. I had to... I was, like... Mm-hmm. I was the other way. I had to face the drummer. We had to set the drums and the, the, you know, the mics up facing one another. Yeah, I feel really fortunate to be able to have had that. It was really exciting.
0: There was... Um like, a theater and arts space in my town that they built uh, in an old barn. They they called it the art Mm -hmm. barn. It still exists now. I I donate money to them because it was such, like, a great way to be able to, like, perform theater because they always did, like, community theater and, like, a children's Mm -hmm. musical every summer and things like that. So, really, like, great to have those spaces because, like, uh, yeah, again, without that kind of space, like, you know, would I have acted would I have gotten comfortable on a stage would I have had the opportunity to do that without like a free thing like that and you know it was the kind of like children's programming where like everyone who auditioned
1: got Mm -hmm. in you know
0: there was there were auditions but they would like create parts for people so everybody could have the experience of doing that and like that kind of thing is just so wonderful it is
1: it is that's really cool you have one more track share. I have to one more track yeah um but all those tracks were really shared like in my high school time period and then moved to Chicago for school this is a track this is a much later track yeah so it's from 2006 so it's only three years later but it's definitely a little bit more of it's not a terrible song actually I guess I'm sharing it because it um <laughs> I wrote a lot of songs about drinking I think this was like a common theme for people um maybe at the age that I wrote this at, I guess I, yeah, let's listen to it. Let's just listen to it. This one isn't as embarrassing as the other ones. Um, Well, I don't know. Maybe it is actually, you can let the listeners decide for themselves. little bit more that like twee voice right it's like still using the violin feels a little bit more referential to stuff that was happening in southeastern michigan at the time saturday looks good to me was a huge influence on me this might be a little bit too obvious that they were a huge influence on me And I think I also found, like, tonally what worked for me, and on the guitar and stuff like that. It's not as harsh. I'm not. Yeah. It's not like a. I'm not writing about injured animals. <laughs> right now, at least I'm not.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely hear that like Zoe Deschanel, she and him voice.
1: I really wanted to shred it this time, but I just couldn't quite do it. Also, if I had just, like, done a couple more takes, this would have sounded so much better. <laughs> That's okay. Sometimes you just don't have the patience oh, for that, you know? Oh, no, so impulsive. So it's just, like, <laughs> and everything, everything that I recorded had to be shared. It took a really long time for me to learn the art of editing.
0: When Namdi and I... Uh, did our episode too, that is big thing that he said was just like not not recording every little idea that he mm-hmm. had and not like putting it all out. And like that's how he refined his process
1: just by like being selective. No, oh, really. totally. I mean that first song that I shared with you, it was like every small noise that we could make in the room we made and we recorded. I don't know. I think though that like the love of music can stem from just like the love of sounds and the fascination of sounds and the way that they interact with one another. And I think that as I get older, I'm just I'm pulling apart, like how things can hear in isolation and the beauty of just having one thing sound really good. Um, So the simplicity of that, I think, is exciting. I think the challenge in that is also making like that singular voice, though, still sound as urgent as the flood of all the sounds that you would want to have had when you were younger.
0: Do you find generally now, and maybe this has changed over Mm -hmm. the years, I'd love to hear about it, but do you find that you start with the sounds and the idea of the kind of sound that you want to make, or do you start with lyrics, or does it change depending on the
1: day? Uh, It starts with a mood, I would say. It's like something that I want to convey or process, and it it always starts with a sound. It always starts with the tone of the guitar, whatever instrument that I have. Um, I don't like hear the song before I start it's like I feel something and then I try to match a sound that goes with the way that I feel and then when those two things come together then it's usually time to then move to the next step which is play it a million times and then if I remember it the next day then it's a song that I should keep working on.
0: (laughs) That's so interesting. How do you approach lyric writing? Does that come after the fact? Does it take you a
1: while? Um, it kind of has to ha- all happen at the same time. So in gotcha. the sense that, like, usually when I rem- when I come back to a song the next day, if it's good enough for me to have remembered, like the guitar part, the feeling, I can like go back. I can like pocket myself back into that sensation. Then I usually have the words to be able to to talk about it again and talk about it not through the guitar or the instrument anymore, but through my like my own voice. When I was younger, I think it used to happen all at once but I feel like there's so many things going on in my head that I have to, they have to happen one step at a time like that for me. And it's really rare that I sit down and just like write a song in one sitting anymore. I think that happened like three years ago. That was the last time that happened. I think with the intentionality of trying to be more selective of what I'm using with the instrumentation and making sure that the lyrics match up with that, everything just takes a little bit more time.
0: Yeah, I think that that's, thinking about that now, I think that's true for me as well. Or even if it does happen that I write a full song, like verses and choruses, maybe sometimes I really like the chorus, but the verse is more just a placeholder or doesn't really like measure up to the quality of the chorus so instead of just like recording it as is or being like this is the song i'll hold on to it for a while and then if i find another verse that works better with it another like idea that works better with like the chorus that i like the best then i'm like okay well i can i can like frankenstein that and mash that together and then it just like raises the quality of the song instead of being like well that's good enough this like fits enough with the piece that i really like i think like that's a big thing for me is like not just being like Oh, I, I I'm glad I wrote the song. Like I really like this one piece of it. I like these like 15 seconds, and so then I'm just going to put it out, trying to like make the full thing into something mm-hmm. that I like.
1: I think that when you're a kid, there's like this myth that it all has. It's like this the the songwriting process is like this magical, mystical thing that just like happens. It just like drops right. down from the sky on you. And I think though that that editing that you're talking about is is it's just a more, it's just a more mature way to 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 view it right i mean for some people i do think that it it drops out of the sky and it's magical but i I don't that's not better or worse than really taking your time to piece it together it's like it's like you know it's like the idea that you have to be damaged or sad to write music or to make art or that uh art made by damaged sad people or people experiencing a crisis is better it's like everyone's voice is just as valid at any point you know
0: Yeah, it's why sometimes like when someone asks me, "Oh, what's this song Mm -hmm. about?" um, I don't necessarily like know. A, I don't know right away when I write most things what it's about. B, like sometimes if I've mashed something together, if Mm -hmm. I've taken two ideas that fit together, sure, like the theme of it make you know makes sense together. But it might be about like a couple of different people or ideas or feelings like in the one song. So it's not just like a you know. This is a breakup song. You know, I have yeah. some of those, of course. But it's not
1: like this is the only thing that it's about is this specific, specific situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think that my, my my songwriting brain doesn't work like that, at least not right now. But there's like this single single thing. I think I've always jumped to different memories, different thoughts, different people. Yeah, I'll have a song and each verse is about a different person, but it's still the you.
0: Yeah, I do that yeah. all the time. What are some things you've been listening to lately that you've been liking?
1: I, I, I mean... Yeah, I don't, I'm not listening to a lot of highbrow music. It's not, it's, oh, it's not, fine. Um, I, I know this is like a joke because I've just been, it's not a joke. I've been listening to a lot of Thin Lizzy, a lot of Alice Cooper, a lot of classic rock. Hell yeah. Classic rock for me is like something that is so ubiquitous, but there's so many little pockets of things that I feel like I still have yet to discover. Like, I feel like I had a very good mm-hmm. like rock and roll education growing up, but there's some blind spots that I feel like I'm I'm filling in the gaps, um, and having like more of an articulation of, of what I like about certain things, and just being like, yeah, I just really like Tom Petty. I'm like, that's it. Sorry, but also not sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, there's a reason that those people have attained the level of fame that they've attained. Like, they do what they do, and they do it yeah. well.
1: I think I just also like love pop music. Um, like, for me, a yeah. lot of a lot of the classic rock that I listened to or a lot of the hard rock. Um, also, oh, this is a side note, but ACDC was also really big influence for detergent. I know, again, that none of that sounded like ACDC, but um, <laughs> Back in Black, Side B was, like, we would listen to that in the car to get pumped up to go to a show. I would get pumped up to just, like, get pumped up. That was, like, the pump-up cassette. Ugh. Anyway, I've been listening to them a little bit more ACDC. Also, like, Carly Rae Jepsen, she... I love her, and for me, there's no difference between Alice Cooper and Carly Rae Jepsen. It's just, like, good pop music. It's people enthusiastically doing what they want to do.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I love a good pop song. Big fan. I know I haven't listened to the new Carly Rae Jepsen stuff yet, but it's, like, on my list of things that I need to give a listen yeah. to. How has this weird pandemic time felt for you creatively? Do you feel as though you've been able to work on music does it feel like a creative time does it feel like you're not really able to touch music um has it felt the same
1: yeah i mean i guess that uh, my brain is a little bit compartmentalized because i'm halfway through uh, recording an album like of, of new material that i'm really excited about so there's there's that part of my brain that just had to shut that off because i can't touch it i can't really think about it i can work on mixes and stuff like that but so it's allowed the other part of my brain to say okay well if you can't do that we can do anything we want to now. (laughs) Um, Uh So, you know, I pick up the guitar pretty much every day, every other day. And I think I've had a lot more time to write music, play music for myself, and not with the thought process that it has to turn into a product that I'm going to share with people in a really formal way. Um, So that has felt really good. I've been doing a lot more sewing. So I, I like the creative part of my brain it doesn't always have to be music in order to satisfy that itch. So I do a lot of sewing. I've been doing a little bit of embroidery. I actually have, I'm, I'm looking up cause I have a list actually in front of me of things that I can work on. They're all on sticky notes. So if I don't want to work on it, uh-huh. I feel like I can take it down. Like for some reason, the visual of the flexibility to have a sticky note of, of, a, of an artistic project that you can work on or not, that feels good. Yeah, I, I think time has felt just really different I I, I think I would just summarize it as I feel like I've got time to fall into my myself. And when it feels good, it feels good. But to fall into myself to just play. Yeah, not be so product oriented. Just have it be fun.
0: I think that's a great idea. I mean, it's given, certainly given me time to just like, yeah, work on new stuff and, and plan things out in a way that maybe before I would have felt too busy mm-hmm. to plan out. Esther put out um, a record at the end yeah. of March, and I was hoping to already have started recording the next one, but obviously that's not happening. But instead, I was able to take some time and like make a lot of demos and make a spreadsheet of songs and just send a bunch of songs to my band and be like, take your time, listen to these. Why don't we pick the best ones and the ones we feel like will work best for a full band? And, you know, then we can narrow it down and decide what we want to take in the studio. And, you know, doing a lot more planning work where it's not as though I didn't plan mm-hmm. <laughs> the last album. Oh, no, we no, planned no, yeah. it. But, you know, just like being able to take that time and not feeling as though there is like a tight timeline in which like we need to release new music or will be irrelevant or whatever. Yes. It just feels like we can just enjoy the process, which is really like what it's all about. Like I obviously miss playing shows and going to shows a lot, but like, I really just miss practice too, you know, <laughs> six piece band, we can't practice. I just like miss like being at like our silly practice and hanging out with my friends and playing music and trying something weird. Yep. And like,
1: what if we did this song and this crazy time signature and then it's dumb and then we laugh about it. Yeah, I, I, I really miss our band practices divulging into Dave Matthews band just jams like (laughs) that's like that's you know but it what you said about like the the relevancy thing i think is so interesting i think there's a lot of like anxiety that musicians sometimes have related to that relevancy which to me i think sort of lines up with what i'm saying that everything has to be product oriented right when you're sharing your art at a certain point that it becomes right that product and then you start thinking about the audience and all that kind of stuff um and it's not like I like make money. This is not my profession. Like to say that about my music is a ridiculous statement. But I, you know, those are just things that I think a lot of people think about when we, when we share music. It's vulnerable space to be in. But I think that a lot of this time has given me the freedom to say, well, I can share my music in any way that I want, and relevancy is loose and intangible right now, and I want to sort of, right, not have every action that I do try to maximize something or optimize you know it's like whatever
0: yeah and I think it just shows sadly weirdly this time shows how much things can change very quickly and change what relevancy means and change what it means to be a musician and like you Mm -hmm. know you just can't like you can have a plan and you can plan life all you want and then a pandemic Mm -hmm. happens and it just really it yeah you just can't be too tied to like a certain way to do it you know that's obviously scary and Awful, and for musicians who were making their whole living by touring, it's terrible. You know that part
1: of it is really I I I feel for people that have had you know their livelihood upended.
0: It also just goes to show that like the model for how like the model for music is fucked. Like under (laughs) capitalism, like the model that we have for music is not like paying people what they're worth. It's not paying people a living wage. Um, It's like setting so much of that on touring which is not always possible and not always sustainable clearly you know and it it just goes to show that like all right we have to like the model has to change like the streaming services where people are getting like 0.0000001 percent of a cent per stream is not like a way to make money I guess my hope is that there can be some positive change not only in the music industry but like in the world because of mm-hmm. this that that people can collectively take a look at what has happened and be like all right well we need this needs to change somehow in the future i don't know what that looks like and i don't know if it'll necessarily happen but we can we can hope this is a terrible time in the world but like maybe there can be some sort of silver lining for some change for how life can be better in the future
1: yeah i think i keep trying to think about you know there's certain things where i pine for things to you know go back to the way they were quote unquote and some of that's just social interactions right. but i I I feel like that I have to get out of that mindset is that it's just well, what is it gonna look like moving forward? You know, like just that mindset, like that shift in my mindset I think has to be related to not only how I work, but also with music, with with everything, you know. Like what do we want it to look like and then how can we try to make that happen?
0: Well, thank you so much for thank being here. Thank you. The podcast. This was really
1: fun. This is actually like the most like stimulating thing I've done since last time I talked to someone about music. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess was like a couple weeks ago, but man, I don't even remember what I've done between then and now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I gotta say I'm very grateful to have this podcast and be able to do it remotely because I, I love talking about music. I love I love yeah. doing this uh, and like ta- I like talking to different people. Yeah, <laughs> this is really
1: fun. This uh, is really fun. I love listening to the podcast. It's um it's really fun. Yeah.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you so much, uh, and thank you everybody for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find Emily Jane Power's music on the internet everywhere you find music, and you can find us on Instagram at badsongwriter and on Twitter at bad underscore songwriter. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, you think you have some bad material to share with the world, you can email me at badsongwriterpod at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the show, please rate, review, subscribe, follow, send it to a friend, post about it on social media, it really helps us out. Alright, thanks, bye.